Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh. Serve fast. Serve friendly. Lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Well, Oscar, here it is, the end of the uh, regular season as we are going into my favorite time of year. Certainly, it's got to be your favorite time of year outside of Thanksgiving. And Christmas. And Christmas, too. SEC Conference Tournament in Nashville. First games get underway on Wednesday. But uh, let's kind of take care of some business and look back on the season a little bit. Yeah, Bo, I think it's sort of been a very uneventful season in the Southeastern Conference this year. We started out with most of the experts saying it was going to be Kentucky, a little ways back would be Florida, and then it would be the, the little 12. And it pretty much has panned out that way. We we thought that at one point or time that South Carolina would be a factor. We thought that Georgia might be a factor. Uh, but it didn't happen that way. And when it's all said and done, there were not a lot of great surprises. I, I guess you can make the argument that the greatest surprise was Florida losing twice to Vanderbilt. Big surprise there with Vandy beating Florida. Did you just start another conference, the Little 12? The Little 12, The yeah. Little 12. <laughs> we just talked about Vandy beating Florida twice. That was a surprise to pretty much everybody in the conference. But uh, anything that sticks out as far as the Little 12? Well, I think probably the biggest thing that sticks out is how some of the teams – would have a, a big high for a week or two and then a big down, or Tennessee was one of those. They won a couple or three games where we thought they were going to be pretty good, and then they just sort of turned around and tanked it. Uh, South Carolina had the problem uh, early on of uh, Thornwell uh, being out for six games. Had they not had that happen to them, they probably would have been in the thick of things because he was clear – the number one player in the league this year. I mean, he did everything, scoring, rebounding, you name it. I think the other thing was is that at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think that many people expected Florida to be able to win on the road the way they did. They, they did a very good job there. But the most shocking thing of all for me was the fact that you look at Kentucky and everybody's like, uh, you know, they, they didn't really play that well. But you look up, they're 26-5. and five. Yeah, we talked. They're sixteen and two in the SEC, and if if we hadn't been adding these games up throughout the year, we'd say there's no way they just lost two games. That record with five losses, anybody else in the nation would love to have that record. But by my standards, your standards, everybody else's standards, losing five is not good enough. Well, losing five and not winning one of those three big games: UCLA, Louisville, and Kansas. If Kentucky wins one of those and everything else stays the same, they're sitting right there either on or right near the number one uh, one seed. Now, the good news is, as poorly as they played at times, as inconsistently, they're still solidly on the two line going into the SEC tournament. And if they don't lose until – if they win one or two games, if they win two games, they're going to stay square on that two line. Mm-hmm. And if they lose the first game, they might slip a line, 
But if they lose their first game, they deserve to slip a line. Well, to piggyback on what you just said there, no surprise to me that they went down to Florida and lost that game. By the amount they did, yes. But I find it a bigger insult that they lost on the road to Tennessee. Well, except one factor. Kentucky traditionally for 40 years I know. has been losing I know. to Tennessee and Knoxville. And for that reason, it's, you know, looking back at it, you say, well, how much did they lose? I said, what was it, 10, 12, 15? No, it was two. Two points. Yeah. You know, but that's the only bad loss on their schedule. The Tennessee game, if Kentucky wasn't just fouling like crazy the last two minutes, that was about an eight or ten point game. Solid loss, but it wasn't a 20-point loss. Other than that, and the good news, bad news is the losses to Louisville, to Kansas, to UCLA. The bad news was they lost two of those at home. But the good news is they could have won any one or all three of those. And where does those three teams rank right now? Mm -hmm. In the top five or six in the nation. So when you look at it, maybe the style points wasn't there, but the end result, at 26 and 5, it is very solid. It would have been a bigger insult if Tennessee came into Rupp and beat Kentucky. Absolutely. That would have been the biggest insult. Well, let's uh, break down this uh, SEC tournament bracket, if you will. First games start on Wednesday, and uh, we start up with Mississippi State and LSU. Well, uh, Mississippi State and LSU. Mississippi State's been, a, a, to me, a very major disappointment. I didn't realize how bad until it looked at it. But what makes them give it a little bit of a – mullet here is LSU and Missouri. I mean, those teams were terrible. But Mississippi State, uh, they're going into the tournament with a 15-15 overall record, 5-13 and the SEC. Next year is going to be a critical year for Ben Howland. Uh, coming from UCLA, even though he was out of the game for a few years uh, waiting to get another job, he should be able to produce by now. You know, he's had a couple players come there uh, that didn't pan out for him that left. But next year has got to be a they, they only had one, what I would call, good wins this year, and that was Tennessee. And if that's your best win, you've not had a very good year. They had losses to Lehigh, Central Florida, and East Tennessee State University. Um, Weatherspoon, number seven uh, scoring uh, player in the SEC at 16.5. He's just a sophomore. They got some youth. But, again, I like Mississippi State beating LSU only because Johnny Jones's last game is going to be the game he gets beat in the SEC tournament. Right. Do you think uh, when we're talking about Johnny Jones and LSU, what happened last year, you think that's carried over and really affected well, his mentality as a coach? I think we've seen this coming for four or five years now. Probably the only thing that saved him last year was being able to recruit Ben Simmons, and he had to hire his AAU coach to get that done. And when they didn't even get in NIT last year, um, LSU is one of those schools in the SEC that they don't put that much emphasis on basketball the, to to make a coach produce in a timely form. So it would to me if LSU won a game this tournament, that would be the biggest upset in the tournament. Yeah, I think these two teams are evenly matched as far as the fact that they're just bottom dwellers. Right? Yeah. Now. The 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 plus I give to Mississippi State is Hallen has been there less time. He can still maybe have the attention of the players. I look for them to win by maybe even double digits. Yeah, and State beat LSU twice this season already. Yes. We move on down, uh, let's see, again, Wednesday night, Auburn and Missouri. Auburn coming in 18-13 and 13 on the year, 7-11 in the conference. Missouri, 
Seven and 23. Oscar, uh, not much to talk about here unless we talk about Bruce Pearl. Well, we can also talk about the fact that Missouri's got an open vacancy. Yeah, that's right true. Now. There's a job opening yes. out there. Uh, uh, Anderson uh, announced his uh, resignation effective the end of the season, and it will probably come Wednesday. And uh, the, the interesting thing there, at 7 and 23 overall, 3 and 16 in the conference. Kim Anderson really never had a shot from the get-go. They've had so much turmoil in Missouri in their entire athletics program. They got a relatively new AD. You knew there was going to be a change. It's whether it was this year or next year, and the way things unfolded at 3-16 in the conference. But this all started uh, when Frank Haith bailed out and went to Tulsa three years ago, and they were in the midst of getting probation. Haith wasn't pinpointed as being responsible for any of it, but it – happen under his watch. And so the interesting going to be is who's Missouri going to hire? There's a lot of talk about Cream might want to get out ahead of the sheriff in Indiana and might go to Missouri. There's even talk of Travis Ford. And Travis Ford is in his first year at St. Louis. But what's intriguing about Travis Ford is he once played at Missouri. He went to Missouri only because Eddie Sutton wouldn't recruit him. And by the time that Rick Pitino had replaced Eddie Sutton. He had already signed a letter of intent with Missouri, so he had to go there one year. He went there one year and immediately transferred back under Patino at Kentucky. So uh, that's a possibility. There have been two or three others mentioned, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think if I were a good up-and-coming coach, I don't think I'd want to go anywhere near Columbia right now with the landscape the way it is. Well, I wouldn't want to go near Columbia either because Missouri's lost 35 straight road games. So Columbia's a little toxic right now, isn't it? It, it certainly is. They've got, you know, they've got the possibility of doing it. Actually, when the SEC brought Missouri into the SEC, it was all about bringing their good basketball program in to the point that they even agreed to stage one of the SEC tournaments in St. Louis. What's Bruce Pearl need to do at Auburn to get it, uh, I don't want to say turned around, but advance that program a little bit further? He's got he's got a, a young roster right now. He's got some really good kids coming in next year, provided they can get in. He's lost a couple recruits his early recruiting years there because they couldn't get in school. But next year is very pivotal for him. And the reason it's p- pivotal for him for a couple reasons is he lost. He has to beat Tennessee. And this year he's gotten by because he did the one magical thing. He beat Alabama both games. If you're in the state of Alabama and you're at Auburn and you beat Alabama, yep. your meal tickets are at least for another year. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm going to go ahead and put down Auburn on that one because uh, my sister met him, met Bruce Pearl a couple of years ago at the SEC tournament and got a picture taken with him. And uh, she said he was a really nice guy, and that upset me. So I'm, uh, I got to put Auburn. I'd like to put Missouri, but I just don't see it happening. We moved to the second round, Tennessee and Georgia, on Thursday afternoon. Tennessee, 16-15 and 15 on the year, 8-10 and 10 in the conference. You know, uh, three weeks ago, I would have picked Tennessee. I, I, I don't know what's happened to Tennessee. I'm sort of a Rick Barnes fan. But, boy, the way they've tanked it. Now, they came back and beat Alabama after being down in the last regular season game. But Georgia is a team that, boy, they've had such bad luck all year long. Mateen, I don't think it's going to be bad. They say they're playing it game a game. Mm-hmm. If you know you've got a star player and he's not going to play, but you know that nobody else knows that, you, you sort of let the other club think about that. I think if he was going to play, you know, he got hurt against Kentucky, first couple minutes against Kentucky. Yeah. 
without Mateen, I don't think they can win more than one game. They could beat Tennessee. Um, if I'm right, Tennessee only lost to Georgia by one. Yes, back I, in February. I, 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 I'm still. I'm going to have to go with Georgia because. I don't know. I just I just can't believe in Tennessee right now. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I've got to go with Georgia. Plus, I like J.J. Frazier. J.J. is really, really good. If uh, if Mateen was there, there'd be no question. Georgia would be my dark horse in the tournament if Mateen was playing healthy. And we'll talk about that when we fur- get further along in the brackets here. We move on down. We both said Mississippi State would uh, take on Alabama there in the second round on Thursday. Alabama 17-13, and 10-8. and 8 in the conference. Your thoughts? Well, as much as I poor mouth Mississippi State, I can't pick them now. <laughs> Alabama has been doing good things and bad things this year. It seems to be the history of Alabama basketball over the last seven or eight years. But this is sort of a, a process of elimination rather than advancement. I'm eliminating Mississippi State. Avery Johnson, his job at Alabama. Well, you know, I think he's going to be very, very good, but I sort of thought the same thing about his predecessor. You know, there's something about these VCU coaches that do really, really good at VCU, and then they sort of sputter out when they go up to a higher level. Uh, we can think of two or three coaches along that lines. Uh, Avery Johnson, though, was an NBA coach with Dallas and won a championship with Dwayne Casey as his right-hand man. So he's got to be able to coach. Now, can he keep the good kids at Alabama at home? Uh, he he – they, they played hard this year. Uh, I think we're going to see next year where they cut it or not. But they had some bad spells where they just didn't get the job done this year. And they've only won three out of their last six games. Things play out the way we think it is. Mississippi State and Alabama, that's a rematch of uh, this past Saturday when Mississippi State and Alabama played. Moving on down, Texas A&M and Vanderbilt. A&M finished 6-14 on the season, 8-10 in the conference. Vandy, 17-14, 10-8 in the conference. Uh, there's two teams I don't want Kentucky to play. Well, I, and I don't, Vandy's one of them. I don't mind playing A&M again. I, I, I think Kentucky just wasn't ready for that. Uh, don't particularly like to play Vandy. Vandy is starting to learn to play like Drew wants them to play. This has been a year of adjustment for them. And if they're hitting threes, they can give you trouble. Uh, you're not playing in Memorial Gym in Nashville. That's the one good news about it. But but I got to go with Vanny. I think they're sort of on an uptick. This is Drew's first year. The less amount of time a coach is at a school when you get into tournament, the more I like them because players don't quit on a first-year coach. They'll quit on a third-year coach or a fourth-year coach. They don't quit on a first-year coach. I like Vandy in this one. Vandy, uh, they've won six out of the last nine games. They've kind of mirrored Kentucky a little bit to where they've had to claw their way back into games. Yeah, uh, and early on they, they'd blown a couple early games. But the impressive thing about Vandy is being able to sweep Florida. And that last game is a tough and sweep even if you're at home. And they were down in that game, came back in the last half. Yeah, they were down I think they were 12. down 12, yeah. About Vandy is, let's say, they win a couple of games – they're 19 and 15. Let's say they make it to the SEC championship game. Is that good enough to get them in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, if you they, they beat Iowa State, they beat South Carolina, they beat Florida twice. Their only bad loss this season was to Missouri. Uh, they lost some close games this year. They would have to probably get to the championship game. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I know, and I know Vandy's going to be now, that con- controversial team where they're on the bubble. They should have got in, should not have got in. They're considered going to be a lot of talk about that. They're they are considered in right now. The uh, if they play, well, I, I take that back. If they win two, if they win two, they're in. But if they win two, means they've got to beat Florida for a third straight time. And that's going to be if, a little tough, isn't it? And if it? you beat Florida three, three straight times, you deserve Put them in. Put them in there. So, uh, who are you going with on that game? Well, I'm, I'm You're going Vandy. I'm going Vandy. I'm going Vandy with you on that as well. Moving on down the uh, last game of the Thursday night sessions, uh, things play out the way we think it would be Auburn and Ole Miss. Boy, Andy Kennedy, I don't know. He's – He's one of the most frustrating coaches in the country. He also has more longevity in the SEC than any other coach. He's been there longer than anybody. So, he's been, they're really, really good in Oxford, in my opinion. They're not very good on the road. But this game is not at home, and it's not on the road. It's in Nashville. Ole Miss comes in. They won the last four out of six games, and somebody who's uh, getting overlooked in the conference is uh, Sebastian Saez. Well, he's not getting overlooked anymore. No. Because, I mean, he's a man. Yeah. Young boys. Yeah, I, I mean, look at the double-doubles yeah. he's been averaging yeah. this year. I I, I got to go with Ole Miss. I just think that Auburn still plays no defense, and that will be the difference in the game. Moving on to Friday, the quarterfinals. We talked about Georgia beating Tennessee. They take on what we would think is Kentucky. Um, Kind of bothers me a little bit. Then again, not really. Well, the way I'm looking at Kentucky in this thing, I'm taking a high road. Uh, and if they don't win, fine. But. You know, if they want to keep that two seed, they need – they got to at least beat Georgia. may have to win the second game to keep the two seed. Uh, but they need to win these – more importantly, they need some consistent play. They don't need to get to, uh, to Nashville and get behind in double digit in any game they play. Now, if, they're, if they get beat and they get down six or seven and lose by eight or nine, okay. But if they get down double digits in the first half and then lose – that's not going to speak well for the next week. But I'm taking a high road. I take Kentucky over Georgia. I'm putting Kentucky down, too. Uh, Bama and South Carolina, your thoughts? Uh, that's a no-brainer. I mean, just just go ahead and ride in South Carolina. Thornwell will beat Alabama by himself. Alabama can't score. Right. And I, I like I like, I like Thornwell, too. I think yeah. he's tougher than $2 steak. Some, some about wait a, minute, fr- wait a minute, wait a minute. Where do you get a $2 steak at? I don't know, but it's tough. Okay. But and there's something about Frank Martin that I love to hate. You, you know, know, you know, he struggled near the end here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know where the pressure's got to his team or what, but uh, they lost game. Now some of them were on the road too. This this league, you know, only Kentucky and Florida showed any real strength at competing on the road. Of course, maybe that's the reason that they're the two best teams in it. But I, I just I just like the fact that. Uh, that South Carolina has that toughness about them that they should be able to prevail on the neutral side. Carolina, they're kind of on the uh, downhill. They've only won two out of their last six games. Uh, Dozier, who's uh, been out for a little bit, he was averaging 13 points. You got him back into the mix right now. So I'm going uh, Kentucky and South Carolina in the semifinals. We move down to Vandy and Florida. Mike White's done a great job at Florida. He really has. uh he uh, he he steadied it. I think he did a good job of sort of staying back out of the limelight, let Kentucky take all the targets early on, let people just presume that they would be tough in Gainesville but not on the road. 
done done a done a very very commendable. He 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 did a couple of smart things. The one smart thing he did, he went out and got a fifth year senior to come in there, in Rick Barry's son, Canyon Barry, and he should be the SEC sixth man of the year award. He could stroke it from three, and I was hitting about 92, 93, over 90% at the free throw line. And he's been a huge plus when somebody throws a zone against him. Uh, I, I just like the tenacity that Florida has. They don't have a single star, but they have seven who can play the game, and that's all you need against everybody except Kentucky. So I got Florida no problem. Yeah, I got Florida right there, too. Moving on down to the uh, final game in the quarterfinals on Friday night, Ole Miss and Arkansas. Should be Arkansas. Shouldn't be a no-brainer. I'm picking Ole Miss because i got to do, do something different somewhere in my bracket. <laughs> Straying from the norm, aren't you? I've got Arkansas down. The way things play out, if we think about semifinals Saturday, it's Kentucky and South Carolina. Well, Kentucky, South Carolina uh, is the two you expected to be there. Uh, if you want to look at one at it one way, at least Kentucky don't have to win three straight to win that one because they split with them. Good, good matchup. Uh, I think the nation, if these two teams meet here, the seeding for those two teams will be done after that game regardless of what happens on Sunday. Uh, I think Florida is probably a four seed right now, uh, knocking on three. They beat Kentucky. They'll go up to a three seed. If they lose Kentucky, they – and it's a close game, they'll probably be, still be a four. If Kentucky wins, they go up to maybe the top number two seed and could be there if somebody slips. I don't think enough people will slip for Kentucky to get to a one seed. The only way Kentucky could get to one seed would be if they win the whole tournament and still somebody else would have to drop a game. But I like Kentucky in that just because I want to stay positive. I like the positivity. I, I, I can feel the positivity here as we're doing this right now. Uh, Florida and Arkansas in the second semifinal well, game. Well, no, I'm not going to go along with that because I've got Florida and Ole Miss. I'm sorry. I was looking at my bracket. Florida and Ole Miss, Florida you, you, Arkansas, you, you, one or the can, other. You can pick Florida and Arkansas all you <laughs> want to. But, again, I'm going to go right there. I, I just, you know, if Kentucky and Florida is the class of the league, what better way to settle it all on Sunday than Florida and Kentucky? And we've seen a few of these in the past. No, we, we've seen some battles yes. in the SEC championship game between Kentucky so and Florida. are you going to have Kentucky and Florida, or are you going to have Kentucky and Arkansas? Now, what do you think? I figure you're probably going to go Arkansas. No, I'm going Florida. Okay. I'm going Florida. And I like Mike White. I, I think he's on a roll down there. And the other thing is, too, about Mike White, big shoes to fill after Billy Donovan. Yes, they were, and and he's molded that team. It's going to be interesting because any time a coach takes over for another coach, the styles that each play is usually not the same. And if they're not the same, a good coach will come in and take whatever talent he's inherited and play to that talent level, which may be not his normal game. So to see the real Mike White, it's probably going to be not just next year but the year after before he gets that squad made up of his players to see how he's going to play his style. But right now he's doing a really, really good job at the losses that he had in November and December. And they were really good losses. His bad loss, his best wins have been Seton Hall, Miami, Florida, Kentucky, and Georgia twice. His bad losses were none. Now, he lost to Vandy twice, but that's not bad losses. No. That's just losses. But here's the thing. He lost very close games, single-digit games in November and December to Gonzaga, Florida State, and Duke. 
Now, for him to be able to mold that team this quickly in his second year, they're very strong. I still like Kentucky. I do, too. A uh, couple of things about Kentucky I want to ask you about. Monk, we saw it on Saturday, continues to struggle on the road a little bit. Um, but Nashville's going to be Rep Arena South this weekend. If, if you look at it, uh, I can't remember if it was Mark Story or John Clay. One of the two wrote a column this week, and they were pointing out what Monk shot at Rupp Arena versus true road games. And, boy, they were like night and day. But the good news is they're not going to be playing on anybody's true home court. There are no true road games in this. Now, the bad news is is there's not going to be any Rupp Arena games in this. But how do they play on a neutral court? Well, if you go back and look at two of his best games, one was in New York. Yep. The other one's in – Vegas, North Carolina. You you would like to think that for whatever reason that the road deals were in hostile crowds, but, you know, that's to be seen. The, the, the good news on all this is the last couple, three games, they've been able to win in spite of his poor game. What Kentucky's got to do, and Malik Monk and John Calipari, he gets into these games now. If he goes out and he goes one for six or seven, you just got to back off a little bit. You can't keep – particularly if you're down. Now, if you're up four, five, six, seven, or eight, you can still keep shooting, trying to get in a groove. But if you're down 10 or 11 and you're one for seven, I don't know. I think I'd just pull it out a little bit and let somebody else take the shots. The urgency for the seniors, Derek Willis and Dominique Hawkins. If you'll notice the last two weeks, those seniors have been stepping up big time. Mm-hmm. And they've only been stepping up because they've been on the floor. If they're not on the floor, they can't step up. I think you're seeing John Calipari looking around saying, you know, these guys aren't going to be playing in NBA. But, dang, these guys can fight and they can play on this level now. I, I think you've seen uh, Willis's minutes go up. Gabriel's has gone down the last couple of weeks. Uh, Hawkins has gone to the point where he very well may be starting Friday instead of coming off the bench. I think that's a that's, that's sort of a message to Isaiah Briscoe that, you know, you need to share the ball more. You don't need to try to play one-on-three, one-on-four. Two weeks ago, I would have said I like Hawkins coming off the bench because he kind of steadies the team a little bit. He calms them down. But now I'm starting to change my tune on that because I love the energy – that he brings to this team. And we all know they need some energy in the first half, especially starting off. Well, that's true. You can also look at it this way with Brand, uh, with Briscoe. Briscoe's got more talent than Dominic Hawkins. When both of them are playing their, their maximum, Briscoe's a better player. So what it may turn out to be is Dominic starts. And regardless of what happens the first four or five minutes, you suddenly got – one of the better players on a team coming in as reserve instead of starting. So, you, it may be win-win. I mean, when Briscoe gets in there, you know, he can cut it loose. And, you know, they just got to break that early offensive uh, funk that they've been in for the last three or four weeks uh, opening up a game. I mean, you just can't go out and – I think when it 19 for 32 missed shots here in the last couple of games early in the game, you just can't keep doing that. Well, despite the sluggish starts, are we starting to see this UK team peak? Because I've been arguing with people about this. Some say they peaked too early. Well, Some they definitely say, haven't peaked too early this year. No, I don't. I don't think so. 
I mean, if, if, unless you go back to November, but you look at the opponents well, they were the, playing. The, the, the thing to remember is this, and that's the false sense of security here right now by winning these games the last three weeks. They're not going to – the teams other than Florida the last three weeks, they're not going to be facing any of these teams in the third game of the NCAA. They're going to be long gone. So, yeah, you ought to have a pass on your first game. If you're a two seed, you ought to have a a halfway decent pass on your second game. But now that third game, you have an off game, you're gone, you're home. And it can happen in the second game because, you know, if you're a two seed, uh, you're playing a 15, and you're playing the winner of the seven and ten game, your second game. And there are going to be some teams that are pretty doggone good around that seven line coming into the NCAA this year. What does Kentucky need from Isaiah Briscoe going forward? Smartness. Smart decision-making. When he decides to drive the lane, he needs to have peripheral vision to be able to swat a guy that's four feet closer to the goal that's wide open instead of just trying to drive it. Some of that may be attributed to Cal saying, drive it, drive it, drive it. Well, you get it and you start to drive – you're only looking to drive because that's what the coach has told you to do. But what the coach is really telling you, you drive it, but if you got a man that's three feet closer to the goal wide open than you, you, you give it up. Uh, there have been many times where he passed up people on the wing that were wide open that could have had an open shot. Now, having said that, you know, it, it's, it's a lot easier to critique another person with a ball than it is yourself. It seems like the fans are more critical of Isaiah Briscoe, but the talking heads on ESPN – they're okay with them. Well, now I, I, th- I think the talking heads on there sort of comes back and forth because you get two guys talking there. They're not like me and you that want to agree with each other. They want to be sort of opposite of each other. So if one says something negative, the other says something positive. It's just like on game day. You ever seen all three of them say the same team's going to well, win? Well, no. One of them's got to say, okay, and I'm not so sure. I'm, I don't know this, but I'm, I'm guessing before they go on air, everybody said, okay, now – you know nobody's going to touch Carolina, but whichever you want to pick the other team. And then somebody's, okay, I'll pick Somebody's got to be the stool pigeon. Yes. <laughs> I want to go back a few years uh, when Cal first got here and he talked about the SEC tournament and really downplayed the importance of it. Do you think he's backed off that talk a little bit? Well, he certainly has this week, but there's reasoning for that. You know, his first year he won the conference outright and he was rolling. So, yeah, you wouldn't want to – Joe B. Hall never liked the tournament. He liked to play the 18-game true double-round-robin schedule. And you win that, you shouldn't have to win anything else to get to the tournament. Well, when they put the tournament in, they decided that the automatic invitation will go to the champion of the tournament, not the champion of the league. And the, the reason for that was partly because of money, because the conference would really rather have two teams in the tournament than one. That's not necessarily the way it should be. But that first year, Cal with Cousins and Wall and all that crew, he had nothing to gain by playing the tournament that year. I mean, you know, you were sitting up there right at the top of the whole country. Let's, let's just go ahead and play the tournament. This year, you know, he's he's got – he's on that two-seated line. But he's got the advantage that if he goes this tournament and wins it, he ain't going to go any lower than two. Could go to one, couldn't go any lower than two. And the reason he doesn't mind it this year is because the field is not that strong this year. I mean, you got to feel like, hey, you know, if I can't beat these guys, then I don't need to be in the second weekend of the NCAA. All this looks good on paper. 
However, how does Kentucky avoid the slow starts? Well, good question. You know, I mean, we've seen some games early on when they jump out to a 23-5 to lead or whatever, and, and I, don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there most of these games, there have been four or five shots that just for whatever reason didn't roll in. They've turned the ball over, things like that. Uh, all these kids now are sophomores. There are no, no freshmen out there now. Uh, I don't. I don't know if they get it together and just bond all of a sudden or not. I think that probably for the first time since Cal's been here, there's probably more guys on this team looking toward next year now than they've done in previous years. Up until this year, most of these guys have said, "Okay, hey, I understand. I don't need to think about anything next year until the day after the final championship." Everything's – we're all in. And this year I think certain ones – and maybe, maybe part of this is due to the fact that there have been a couple, three one-and-dones the last three years didn't end up being one-and-dones. They've had to come back a second year, Isaiah Briscoe being one of them. So now the urgency is there a little bit more. I need to show mine just a little bit more. And we can call it selfishness, but in their mind they're probably not selfish. They're just trying to embrace an opportunity to show they're better, which – if they make the plays, it does. If they don't make the plays, it's like, oh, that guy's selfish. So we just got to see. The one thing that Cal's done in the last two weeks, talk about juggling the lineup. He's talking about this guy that, that need to be in. I don't think the message he's sending to the public is near as much as that Dominic Hawkins needs to start as he's sending the message of Briscoe, if you want to play, you better play like Hawkins. Yeah. So, if they, everything plays out the way we think it will here, according to our brackets, how many teams are in the NCAA tournament? Well, first of all, I think the key, Van is going to be in with one win. Okay. Arkansas is already in. So, there's two. Florida is three. Kentucky is four. Uh, that's where – that's that that I think you've got four in, and then you've got who are we looking at here? South Carolina. South Carolina, and South Carolina is going to get in with a win over Alabama. I think they're already in because they've had a pretty strong thing. But you know, if you're South Carolina, you certainly don't want to lose to Alabama or LSU or Mississippi State. Oscar. I'll see you for lunch on Friday at 1 o'clock. No, you won't see me at 1 o'clock on Friday. Well, why don't you just have the game on and I'll provide lunch. Okay. How about that? I'm for that. All right, I'll talk to you on Friday. All right. You've been listening to Podcats. For more podcasts and podcasts, head on over to oscarcombs.com and click on the podcast page. There you will find conversations with Oscar Combs and our podcast series as Oscar and I talk about the Wildcats. If you're traveling to watch the Wildcats, then Oscar might be your perfect companion for your road trip. Conversations with Oscar Combs and Podcats is available 24-7 through the Google Play Store and through iTunes. Search for at Wildcat News, subscribe, and you will never miss an episode as they automatically download into your device. The best thing about it, it's free. And to stay up to date with Oscar, Twitter's the best way to do that. Give them a follow at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson thanking you for listening to another episode of Podcasts.